When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the 211 Renault and Dacia range. Get your car delivered to you in just a couple of clicks. Call us today to find out more or visit blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Just spotted news there that may affect many people listening today. Joe Walsh Tours has ceased trading. They've just issued a notice to say uh, that they're gone out of business. I'm sure a lot of people would have travelled in their day with Joe Walsh on his tours and he uh, operated a lot of trips, uh, pilgrimages, uh, things like that all over uh, the, the world, Europe especially. Uh, but uh, sad to hear that Joe Walsh uh, will be no more and a sign of the times and perhaps things to come in business as the fallout from uh, the lockdown for over a year now really begins to bite you. Welcome to the show. Sorry to be starting on such negative news, but we have lots of chat and uh, a mix, of course, of uh, joy and sadness and, uh, you know, information news across the two hours as usual for you today. A little bit later, we'll be heading to Los Angeles for a word with Dave Swan Montgomery, who's teamed up with local poet Anthony Matthews to uh, create a beautiful work. Honestly, uh, the combination of poetry and music. We're going to hear that story a little bit later on. Keen Byrne, well, he decided to park his car in Baltray in County Louth and head on up the coast. And uh, really, his eyes have been open. He's going to tell us what he came across and why he's enamoured by it now a little later on in the show. Angling. Yes, you know I fish myself and I love it and I always have since I was a little fellow. Well, this week is a very special week because angling has been promoted the length and breadth of uh, the country by Inland Fisheries Ireland and Lorraine O'Donnell will be joining us to have a chat about what's going on. The uh, artists, or my artists of the week, are Thin Lizzy and we're going a bit country. Country with Lizzy. Oh, yeah, you'll find out after three today. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us on the show, don't forget the usual numbers. 86 658 you can WhatsApp or text me to the show or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. But as is our want and has been for a long time, he's a regular now on Late Lunch. I'm delighted to say hello again this Tuesday to Professor Paul Miner. Hello again, Paul. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks very much for joining us. God, you're all over the place. I can't put on the telly now and I see you popping up on the TV channels as well. You're in demand. And I thank you again uh, for uh, giving us a huge commitment here on the Late Lunch Show on LMFM Radio, as you have for months on end now, Paul. I just wanted to say that again today. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Paul, just to begin, um, 
good news uh, just breaking in the last hour or so in terms of the vaccination programme because the government have accepted the recommendation from the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, NIAC, uh, with regard to the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson vaccines. Yeah, I think that's good news, uh, Jerry. So yesterday, NIAC, they indicated that their advice would be in relation to the Johnson & Johnson, that that would be given to the over 50s. I think there was some concern. I had some concern that they were going to be as restrictive with Johnson Johnson as they had been with the AstraZeneca that had been limited to the over 60s. And that was going to lead to a significant problem because in that cohort of the over 60s and the 60-year-olds up to 69 constitutes about 400,000 people, whereas the number of vaccines that we're expecting in over the next, until the end of June, the number of vaccines from Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca is in region one and a half million. I think about 600,000 of Johnson & Johnson, 900,000 of AstraZeneca. So if the use of Johnson & Johnson had been restricted to the over 60s like the AstraZeneca, would have ended up potentially with a million vaccines that we wouldn't have used. And So I'm glad in terms of the advice, first of all, delivered by, recommended by NIAC, and as you say, accepted now by Cabinet. I think that's a good thing because it should increase uh, our uh, capacity in terms of vaccinating as many people as quickly as possible and hopefully try to meet those deadlines that have been indicated by the government, at least in terms of vaccinating at least 80% of the adult population by the end of June. So I think that's good news, Jerry. Now, they've taken time over this, despite the fact, you know, that Europe had given the green light. Why is that, Paul? And I, I'm not taking away every uh, individual country is sovereign and they have their own way of doing things. But, you know, when people are asking the question, well, when Europe said, you know what I mean, this is fine, surely we should have just belted on. Yeah, I'd probably agreed with that, Terry. So if you, if you look at, we entrust this uh, organisation, the European Medicines Agency, to licence all of these uh, vaccines. And they look at all of the scientific evidence, all of the data from the trials, and then they make uh, decisions in terms of licensing. Should this vaccine be used or not? Are there certain, you know, potential side effects associated with highlighting them or whatever? And they've made the decision that, uh, the Johnson Johnson and the AstraZeneca, if you look at the benefits and compare the benefits with the risks across all age groups, both of these vaccines, the benefits outweigh the risks across all age groups. Some individual countries then have decided which they can do. They've decided to limit and be more restrictive in terms of their use. And this relates to the fact that if you look at some of these rare clotting events that seem to be associated with the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson, they tend to be associated with with younger people under the age of 50. So if you look at that difference between benefits and risks, as you get younger, though the, the window, that difference between the benefits and the risk narrows because with younger age, the risk of serious COVID decreases, whereas the risk associated with these rare clotting events increases, albeit they're still very rare. So as a result, uh, NIAC recommended initially that the AstraZeneca be restricted to the over 60s again, in my view, it was my opinion that that was overly cautious. It was indicated that this was an abundance of caution, but I don't think that applies because that should only apply really if the risks outweigh the benefits, whereas it was the other way around at younger age groups. And I think that's reflected now in the new advice coming from NIAC that in the younger age groups that the benefits still outweigh the risks very significantly. And I think that is consistent with their advice now. That, that, now that makes, you know, raise some concerns in terms of if, if something was considered, why is NIAC decided now that 
these vaccines can be given to the under 60s when previously they were restricted to the over 60s. So, you know, that may promote some discussion. But if I look at them, you look at the data for these vaccines, all of the vaccines are very, very efficacious. They work really, really well, are really effective in real world situations. And also they're very safe. There's they're some of the safest medicines we, we will use and will ever use. Mm. Uh, and uh, that's an important message to to get out there. Can I talk for a moment about pregnant women? Because they've been mentioned specifically following uh, the Cabinet meeting today and all of the advice uh, that they're now recommending that the RNA vaccine be given to pregnant women from 14 weeks uh, onwards. Yeah, so initially with, with the phase three trials, pregnant women were excluded from those trials. But some women ended up uh, being pregnant and weren't aware that they were pregnant. So there is some data, there was some data available from some of those uh, trials. And there weren't any indications that there were any risks associated with that. In the last week, actually, in the last number of days, there was a really good paper published in the New England Journal of Medicine. It's a really big study performed by the Center for Disease Control in the US. And this looked at, I think, about 37,000 uh, women, pregnant women, who had been uh, given the RNA vaccine. So these are the vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer. And again, across that cohort, that 37,000, there was no measurable, you know, side effects or increased risks for pregnant uh, women associated with those RNA vaccines. And again, as you say, uh, NIAC has recommended, you know, the use of them in in pregnant women. So why now have they been prioritised? Well, there are some associations, some of the data showing now that in terms of maternal health, there may be increased risk associated with COVID and SARS-CoV-2 infection and COVID for pregnant women. And there's also been some cases, albeit low numbers of stillbirths associated with COVID infection, you know, one to three weeks after COVID infection. Mm. You can end up with this situation called placentitis, where you can get infection at the placenta by the SARS-CoV-2. So because of that increased risk with the virus and COVID-19, and this latest data now showing that the vaccines, especially the RNA vaccines, doesn't seem to be associated with any uh, risk at all. Uh, I think that forms the basis for the advice that we've just uh, got today. Yes, and, and you know there would be concern historically with vaccines and pregnancy. We don't need to go through that, uh, of course, but there, there would I be a... W- as well, the other thing I should say there, Jerry, yeah. is that and I think the recommendation is for certain stages of pregnancy. I think it's between weeks, tw- maybe... 14. 14. And, and yeah, and up to maybe... 30-something, yeah. 30-something. So it will be staged. And I think as a result then, I think it's right that it should be prioritised because obviously in terms of staging, so if a woman is pregnant and uh, she can only be vaccinated during that time period, she really has to have access to the vaccine for that time. Um, I got my own jab last Wednesday, Paul. I got the Pfizer. Uh, Pfizer, yeah. Yeah, so I, I've won and at four weeks, that four-week interval has been... How do you feel? I, I was grand, Paul. Honestly, I was yeah. grand. I, I, I was advised just to take some paracetamol for a couple of days, but I had no side effects whatsoever. I liked the flu jab, which I get every year. A little bit of stiffness in the upper arm, but yeah. that was it, Paul. You know, yeah. nothing else. Nothing yeah. else. So uh, d- delighted to report that, uh, that I, I mentioned it last week, that I had got it, uh, and there were no issues. So that was the Pfizer, uh, the RNA one I got as well. So I'm due the second one now in four weeks. Just to go on to the... Um, the, the, the situation in general. Tony Holland, of course, back at work, the CMO, and I just uh, was listening to him yesterday and he was just saying how, uh, you know, the situation was stable um, uh, and maybe slightly uh, improving, uh, but he, he was still concerned. Yeah, still sort of a very cautious note there, I would say. So initially when he came back, I think I thought he was quite 
positive and positive in terms of outlook and potentially in terms of you know looking towards the uh, summer months i think there is there obviously still and nefit are still using a very very cautious approach i think their strategy now is to try to delay the lifting of many of the restrictions until quite a significant proportion of the population has been vaccinated. I think that is now the strategy. And the more of people that are vaccinated, that gives us more protection as we lift these restrictions that, first of all, people are directly protected. Those who are vaccinated are directly protected from uh, probably getting the virus and get very, getting very sick. And the other really good thing that's coming from all of the real-world data from the rollout of these vaccines is that not only do they directly protect you, but they suppress transmission of the virus. So that should help as we lift uh, restrictions. I think, you know, as caution is the word, it's, it's been used in terms of, you know, with NEFET, with uh, NIAC. But I think we probably have to, something I think we haven't necessarily been very good at, Terry, is sort of evaluating all the risks and comparing all of the risks and comparing them with the benefits of our actions, whether they be based on pharmaceutical base, like in vaccines, but also non-pharmaceutical interventions and lockdowns and like that. And I think you know, there does come a time when we have to look at some of the low-risk activities, activities and restrictions that we can lift. And we've already seen some of them this week in terms of outdoor activities. I think we're probably a little bit slow to come to that because I, I think they're relatively low, low risk. So rather than like stopping everything, I think we probably should have looked at some of the activities. And in business, I think we're beginning to look now at things like, you know, click and collect, which to me seems it would, on face value, appear to be very low risk. So I think we need to help to begin to open up society, you know, as quickly as possible, as safely as possible. And initially looking at those activities that are relatively low risk and accepting that, as we begin and begin to interact with each other, there is the risk sort of, of cases going up. But remember, with most of the vulnerable vaccinated, we're now in a situation where even if cases go up, you wouldn't expect to see the same degree of serious illness, hospitalisation, this pressure on the healthcare system. So I think we're in a much better place and there's a lot of comparison and a lot of discussion and commentary in terms of, well, look what happened when we opened up in December. But I think there are a number of different factors that affect the opening up that favour favor us at this uh, time, including the fact that we vaccinated our most vulnerable. It's coming into that time of year when the virus probably doesn't transmit as well as it would have had in uh, December. And the other thing is, even with increasing cases, you wouldn't expect the load on the healthcare system to be as severe as it would have been in the winter time. So for all of them, I, I, again, I'd be a little bit more hopeful terms of looking at lifting some of the existing restrictions. Mm. We'll know on Thursday and they're considering a lot at the minute and the vibes are that they will uh, yeah. bit by bit, maybe proceeding a little more cautiously than we'd like. Just yeah. before you go, Therese has been on to say uh, you know, she's listening to you and she says it's strange, you mentioned it a few moments ago that, you know, it's now uh, allowed for the over 50s when it was the old over 60s previously and she's saying um the people who are making uh, the recommendations are, in her opinion, aren't specialists. And this is just to do with using up the over a million that you mentioned there and uh, making the rollout more workable. What would you say to that, Paul? Probably the degree of pragmatism in terms of the decision, in terms of... This is something I raised before, Zary, that if, if that was restricted to the over 60s, we would have ended up potentially with a million doses of vaccines that we, we wouldn't use. I, I always come back and I always look at the data and sort of try to take a very cold, objective view of this and, you know, make decisions based on that. 
if you look at the European Medicines Agency, they've looked at this in detail. They've looked at all of the data. And the good thing about this is, whereas if you look at lockdowns and try to compare, uh, you know, the risks and uh, benefits associated with that, it's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to get hard numbers. We now know a lot in terms of risk associated with the viral infection. We know that based on a certain level of uh, transmission of virus in the community. You can calculate how many people are going to end up in hospital, how many people are going to end up severely ill, how many people will die. In the same way, we now know with these rare events, how many of these rare events will happen with these vaccines. So you can make to say you can actually look at these numbers, and you know the DMA have looked at this and have released this, and they can basically say, let's say, 100,000 vaccines are given. What are the number of these rare clotting events that would be prevalent? And they'd be more prevalent in younger people than older people. But then let's say we don't give those 100,000. And let's say there's no alternative vaccine to give. How many people will end up severely ill or die? And you can look at those numbers. And when you do that comparison, clearly it shows that across, especially when the viral transmission is very high in the community, across all age groups, the benefits outweigh the risks. So that to me is compelling in terms of you're basically stopping people from getting very severely ill. You're reducing the number of people who will die by giving this vaccine. So to me, that's not a, it's not an abundance of caution to say, let's not use the vaccine. I think it's the other way around. You should be using these vaccines. They're really good. They're very safe. Uh, there are some risks, very rare risks associated with the use of these. But importantly, the benefits far outweigh the risks. And to me, that's really a compelling, compelling argument. It certainly is. Paul, thank you for taking that. We have other queries for you. We're going to hold them over because they are timeless until we talk again, please God, next week. Thank you so much again, Paul. Always appreciate your expertise and time. You're very welcome, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Professor Paul Moynihan there, Head of the Department of Biology, Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. A listener wanting to know, would I be okay with one jab? I've got the first and leave it at that. Paul will tell you that you have a a percentage of a a cover. There's no doubt about that with one jab, but really you're much better taking the second jab and being completely vaccinated. And I'm no medical expert, but I know Paul would tell you the same. I'll put it to him again uh, next week. Anyone out there with COPD, a listener wants to know, get vaccinated. That's chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, COPD. Anyone listening today got the vaccination? How did you get on? You might let us know. 086-1800-658 or 1857-15958. Louise, at the top of the show, I mentioned Joe Walsh Tours. Let's uh, step back in time and have a listen to this. Join the JWG set day of a lifetime is waiting for you in the new JWT brochure free from your travel agent do you remember the brochures do you remember the getting the brochures for the holidays do you remember that yes yes I Every do. year, my now, sisters used to always bring a load of them home. Yeah, and I, I have know. to say, Sandra Finnegan from Globe Travel, our uh, travel uh, expert, who's joined us for years here in the show, still has the brochures. And we we're just looking at the mm-hmm. Italy one. Well, we didn't get them in the last year, but the last one we got. But the brochures are still there. Top of flight, top flight brochure, and Sunway, and all those yeah, still come out. But do you remember the brochures? People would be getting them in November, December, mm-hmm. you know, or January, and the sale would go like on. The Smith's catalogue. Oh, unbelievable! <laughs> Where are we going? Where are we heading to in Spain? And to Let's go out there and get the big... What's the thing they used to bring home with them? The, um, 
were they uh, elephants or bears or something? You know, people who would come back. Donkeys. Donkeys. Was it donkeys? You know, people, you'd see them coming back from Spain. Was it it a mule? They'd come back from Spain and beetroot from head to toe. The Irish coming in at the airport with blisters everywhere. And, uh, you know, a disgrace to mankind and humanity. But look, (laughs) we love the week away. And then, you know, JWT and companies like that were massive. And like, it's sad to hear them go today that they've gone out of business. But uh, do you remember the brochures? Do you remember your first holiday abroad, Louise? Do you remember the first time you went out of the country? Where did you go? My very first time out of the country, as far as I can remember, was on a school trip when I was 16 to... Uh, Euro Disney had just opened that year. Paris. We went to Paris. It's well for yeah. you. You're posh. It was great. Fourth year. Yeah. That was the first time I was out of the country. Oh, well, I went to the UK as a child and that as well. But to abroad the first time was on the Fun Trek holiday. When I went on Fun Trek. <laughs> that was a kind of a club club holiday, was it? Yeah, it was it was a, they it was a company that brought you to different destinations all over the all over Europe and you just arrived at the airport, they had everything arranged, planes, transfers, where you stayed, everything, fun trek, crossings. Column Crossing, who I spoke to last year, Lord of Merton, he died since, uh, was on that tour with us and guided us. But that was my first one, so it was and I went all over Europe the first time, number of places with my good friend Eddie Joyce, I'm sure he remembers it well. All oh, those stories with that one. That was mm. my first one. Uh, Thanks indeed uh, for your replies. My mam, Jerry, has COPD and she got her first injection about a week ago. She was tired and cold for 24 hours, but she's absolutely fine now. Thank you indeed. We had a query from a listener to see if anyone with COPD had got the vaccination. And Danny was on to say he is COPD and he's got two jabs, both of them, and he's absolutely fine as well. Jerry, I remember it well. First holiday, 1974, we went to Benidorm. It was just brilliant. But you know what? It cost about nine weeks' wages for the holidays. Wow. Now, a week's wages would nearly cover it, to be honest with you. Shows you. Yes, it was more expensive to fly, to stay. You know, Ryanair, we give out yards about them, don't we, at times. But they were the driving force behind opening up cheap travel. But travel, cheaper, expensive round this planet. Will we do it again in the numbers we did before? Let's see. Probably will, because if you go back to the uh, Spanish flu and what happened subsequently in the 1920s, now we're in the uh, 2020s, the world went book mad after the uh, the whole thing. And you know us humans, we just tend to make the same mistakes all over again. Including yours truly, I have to say. Anyway, you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. If you're listening on your radio, on your smart speaker, but the app. I hope you're listening on the app. If you're listening on the app somewhere today, welcome to the show. Get that LMFM app downloaded. It's brilliant. You can take us with you wherever you go. Now, did you know that this is Go Fishing Week under the auspices of Inland Fisheries Ireland? Yes, it's uh, aimed at promoting angling, but in the current climate, it's not possible to get people together and organise like this week did previously. But still, there's a lot going on and they're having a very special photo competition, which we're going to talk about in the next while with Lorraine O'Donnell. And she's the Education and Outreach Officer with Inland Fisheries. Hello, Lorraine. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me on the show this afternoon. It's a bit of a bummer, isn't it? Because, you know, I'm an angler myself and I'm familiar with this week. I've spoken about it many times over the years that we just can't get together, Lorraine. What's going on so? I know, yeah. The only thing is you still can fish at the moment within your county. 
So, um, you know, uh, there is plenty of places depending on where you are in the country. So there's plenty of places to fish. So you have to do your best and uh, seek out these places to go. Um, I know what you're saying. I thought you were going to say, how can you fish online? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can um, fish with a line, with a line. I know you can fish with a line. Very, we all can. We need the lines to fish, but online. Come on, Lorraine, make history today. Tell me. No, you definitely can fish online. Although I have to say we do have a, an angling simulator that we bring to some of our shows. Um, I know people would have met us at the Plough Championships. And would you believe we've got a fishing line connected to a little box connected to a television screen and it gives you the simulation of catching a fish. So we actually have that as well. Yeah. I love it. I love it all, oh, but there's nothing to beat. You know, I'm fishing since I was a nipper and actually I was out on uh, for the first time this year on Saturday and Sunday evenings for a couple of hours and I really enjoyed it, trout fishing. It was great. And within the 5K, as I say again, or within your, your county at this stage, you're okay to fish. And that's important uh, to emphasise. But look, um, in a general sense, this is a fantastic week every year. And I do know that you actually have these lunch and learn webinars on at the moment every day. Evelyn Cusick was on today. I'm sorry I missed her. But I see the likes of Dr. Ken Whelan, who's a good friend of ours on this show. It's a fantastic lineup. Yeah, yeah, we just finished with Evelyn there and she went way over time. She was absolutely brilliant. And she was explaining about how to to be safe when you're thinking about the weather going out. So she really spent a lot of time explaining all that's on their app at the moment, their MetAaron app and their website, and just giving people tips because um, especially with regard to lakes and the coast, because I think people don't realise how the weather can change and be very severe on a lake. Um, You know, people tend to think, oh, the sea is where it's dangerous, but it can actually, weather has a big impact on lakes as well as on the the coastal areas, um, you know, for shore fishing. So she was very, very good. Mm. But as you say, we've a a lineup. We we have something every day and we're trying to we try to have a mix of what people would be interested in. So tomorrow's one is about um, barriers to migration and that's about barriers for fish. So you can imagine fish um, swim and they need to be able to swim up through the rivers and streams. So a barrier from that point of view, um, you know, can stop them from reaching their spawning grounds in the sense of some salmon um, or, of course, fish getting to their um, the margins of the lakes for um, spawning. So, yeah, that, that's what tomorrow's one is about. And um, I think you might be interested in actually the one on Thursday is about our rare fish and our lesser known fish. So um, a lot of anglers don't understand or uh, uh, about the fish that are non-sport fish, as we call them. So, you know, there's um, pollen and shad and lamprey and char in our lakes. Um, so hopefully people will get to know a little bit about these lesser known fish and how protected we need, to, how we need to protect them because they'd be rare as well. We're calling mm. them rare fish as well. Yeah. How do people book a, into the webinar? So our webinar, um, we have on our Facebook, on our uh, website, uh, fisheriesireland.ie. If you go to the education and outreach part of that, and there's a Go Fishing Week page. If you look and scroll down there, we have, um, you know, some news, themes, videos, events. So the events page is where the webinar is. And if you click into that, you'll see the different ones. And it's literally a click here to register. You have to register in advance to join it. Yeah. Um, 
So it's it's over Zoom. And um, yeah, it seems to be going well. We've three done now and they've been very, very good. Yes. Very enjoyable. So there <laughs> you are. If you want to uh, learn more about rare species, barriers to fish, Ken will be on talking about the migration, that wonderful story of the Atlantic salmon as well. They're all there. FisheriesIreland.ie, education and events. You can book in there. Now, this competition, my favourite fishing place. Tell us about this. I think I put an entry in there myself. Oh, good. Yeah, the competition is just about, you know, as you were saying, I suppose people aren't getting to go where they would like to go fishing and they may have photographs and memories on their phones or smart tablets. And the idea is that you just share your favourite space where you like to go fishing. And, um, you know, we've lovely entries in. They would, you know, just encourage others, you know, to go outside and enjoy the outdoors. And maybe your take on your favourite fishing space we, we've had a lot of interest, um, you know, over the last few years on anglers with less abilities and wheelchair access. And I know the Wheelchair Association of Ireland has an angling club. So their favourite fishing place will be somewhere where they can access and use, get close to the river in a safe place or, you know, uh, access the lake on a, on, a, on a safe boat. So, you know, just to think about what is a favourite fishing place is for you. Um, so that's what we're trying to do there. And then we will share these photographs with others so that others can get a sense of what other people that are fishing like and what they need to enjoy fishing. And, um, yeah, we've got that running right through the week. And as I said, the photos can have been taken anytime. It's just we've promoted it during the week and we can share them then um, as the week is over. And the winning prize there is 100 euro of um, fishing tackle and with some goodie bags. And anybody that has some unusual take on a photograph would be brilliant because the judges love something outside the box. So there's special goodie bags for prizes for people that send an unusual photograph in. And it again is fisheriesireland.ie. All the information is there. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's all there. There's a competitions part of the Go Fishing Week page, so you'll Lovely. find it there. You'll pick it up there. I'm just thinking, I want to give a shout out. I'm a member of a number of clubs here locally in the North East and, and across Ireland to uh, Loch Lane Anglers near Mullingar because the club purchased a special boat for disabled angling last year and it's available there and a credit to them uh, to do that. It's uh, it's wonderful that people can enjoy the facility there. I'm just thinking as well, where will I go for? Will I go for the Carob Mask or Loch Arrow for all the pictures? Or maybe Little Killinia Resver here on my doorstep I or Barnatton. What do you think? I think you're showing off there now. I am, I am, I am, <laughs> I am. I actually am. I am showing off. And I'll tell you what, I have no regrets about showing off because I'll tell you what, I'll say to anybody listening today, if you can go to those waters in your lifetime and experience the big lakes, the wild lakes, you know, even if, you, if you've if you only ever fished in a local basis, it's something you should put on your bucket list. Would you agree with that, Lorraine? I would definitely. And I think more so than ever, people are learning what's near them and what Ireland has to offer. And I can't encourage it enough that people go out and see these beautiful places. As you say, they are beautiful. Whether you're fishing or you're with somebody who's fishing and you're just there plus one, you will enjoy it. Definitely. Now, I get the impression from my ilk and my generation as well that there are not enough young people, especially coming to game fishing. I mentioned those lakes, you know, and fly fishing for wild trout or, you know, put and take fisheries or whatever. What's the health of the sport like? You know, are there enough or is there always opportunity to bring more in boys and girls? There is always an opportunity. Um, there was 
a decline definitely in angling and new people to angling. It's it's gone on for a long time. You know, it's conflicting. You know, people say, oh, kids like to be on their smartphones and they're coming away from the outdoors. You know, there's loads of reasons why. One Another reason why people weren't really taking up fishing, I think, is because as it was kind of seen as a generational thing that the granddad might have passed it on to the son, to the child. And people, you know, didn't really think it was that nice to do or as attractive to do. But last year we saw an increase in anglers around the country. Definitely people taking it up, new people. And I'm working on a program to get people to, to take up fishing. And what we're seeing is that people would like to do courses in it. They want to be shown it in a way that it's structured. So they, they like the idea of a lesson, a lesson plan, you know, to show up and try it first. Don't invest in anything. See, do I like it first? Because it's not for everybody. And um, there's other people that want it to be a sport and they like the participation and, you know, chasing after specimen fish, big fish, you know. So there's definitely... Um, a move to more people are interested in angling. So we're trying to meet that demand. And as you said about the, the Loch Lane anglers there, you know, angling clubs, I think if they can try to get themselves ready to welcome locals and let them try fishing and show them how to fish and um, get some coaches to coach in fishing, I think that could be a really good way for the next few years. And I think people would join it then, you know, structured like like a swimming class on a Saturday mm. morning. Why not do fishing classes on a Saturday morning? You know, when all the yes. restrictions lift again, because it's outdoors and it's safe. And there's definitely a move to be outdoors. And the well-being side of fishing is as, a, as an anti-stress and, you know, a nice pastime. Um, you know, there's people, you know, that are saying that that's why they fish. You know, it's not about catching the fish. It's definitely not about the way it used to be where people had to catch a fish to provide for their family. It's about now de-stressing, listening to the birds, watching the river, watching the, the, the sky changing. You know, it's all about that well-being side so, and mental health. So, yeah, mm. definitely. There's uh, just a, I think there's great opportunity at the moment. That's probably the way I put it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And being at one with nature, as you mentioned there, there are so more much more aspects to this there's the social end of it as well and the camaraderie and the crack that you have and as I say it's a sport that you can be introduced to at a very young age and carry it with you right through your life you can leave it down for a time pick it up again and there are so many aspects to it fresh water course fishing game fishing sea fishing god we have it all haven't we here in Ireland it's a mecca for angling Lorraine Yes, and and they're beautiful fisheries where, you know, you can be close to try on a lake one day and then you can go down and fish from the shore another day and you can take it out in a boat another day and it's all very close by. So we're lucky we're on a small island in that sense. There is definitely something for everybody. There yeah. really is. Something for everybody in the audience. God, I'm sounding like that other show on television now, to be honest with you. But look, folks, it is great. I am a great advocate of it. And funny enough, in my direct family, I, I, I took it up because of a, an uncle in my family. That's, even though I was an outdoor sportsman with my father, more the fields uh, than the waterways. But uh, it's something I've taken up and I've enjoyed and I hope to enjoy for the, for the rest of my life. You're doing great work. I congratulate you and and uh, well done to everybody in Inland Fisheries Ireland. Keep doing what you're doing. And folks, check out the photo competition. Join the webinar as well. It's all there for you by going onto the website. That's all you have to do. Fisheriesireland.ie. Tight lines, Lorraine. Thank you and enjoy your summer. <laughs> I will. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Lorraine O'Donnell there. 
Outreach Officer and Education Officer with Inland Fisheries. Jerry, just back to the fishing for a minute. Like, do you know, you're there for hours. Do you not get bored? <laughs> not at I think it's all. Rather... Not no. at all. You wouldn't even notice time passing, to be honest with you. You just get so into it, you know, what? and... I know sometimes you go out with people but some, mm. and you have the chats and all that. Yeah. That's great. But do you, you know, do you go out on your own? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time with your thoughts and by yourself is lovely as well. And not to speak. You know me. I do a lot yeah. of talking. Yeah. I love to be quiet. love quiet time you as well. You wouldn't catch yourself talking to the fishies, no? When I lose one, do you want me to, <laughs> do you want me to start into the expletives? <laughs> but you have to lose them and you have to and to be honest with you like I was fishing Saturday and Sunday and all the fish I caught I put them back in you know let them go again and give them a, another spin just take the odd fish nowadays to be honest mm. with you if somebody wanted a fish or something like that but conservation is very very important you know not so much I suppose on put and take fisheries where they put them in you know they're reared in a hatchery and in they go but the, see those wild lakes I mentioned oh I got a real put down there didn't I she told me I was bumming Lorraine <laughs> did you hear her I was going to nearly cut her off then sure, <laughs> joking Anyway, but you know, when you talk about the great wild fisheries of Ireland, Carob, Mask, Arrow, Con, you know, those wonderful, wonderful lakes that don't see fish out, don't ever go in there from hatcheries. They replenish themselves in the streams around the lakes and that as well. They're a magnificent resource. Those fish need to be protected. We have something really unique in Ireland. But from I started fishing and um, Peter Woods brought me first and then the late great Frank Sharkey uh, brought me out as well fishing with them and they started me on the road really of angling and it went on from there and it's something Louise you don't understand the the burning passion is <laughs> just to get away and especially I love the lake fishing where you go out in the boat you know what I mean out and drift round fly fishing for trout or salmon I just adore that I kind of literally went fly fishing once did you that was it was very short it was um my husband brought me fishing years ago when we were running yeah. out up in beautiful spot in Donegal. Lovely. And it was one of this, like, it gave me, it's a line and you had to, had to throw it back. Yeah. What do you call that? Casting? Uh, yeah, you cast it out, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I threw it back. He was way back behind doing something. And next thing I heard, don't move a muscle. <laughs> and I kind of went, why? And literally, when I had put it back, the yeah. hook had caught a zip. <laughs> <laughs> Louise, what so, are you like? Uh, yeah, what no hope. That, like? was, that, that was, was it, was it? That was it, that was it. it. Yeah. You were over there. Never trusted but again. I, I would say to, and you know, she makes a good point, and we can't just do it at the minute. But clubs are have come all around to this because there was a, a, a dearth of, of, of young people. They weren't coming into the sport. And boys and girls, girls are great anglers. Do you know that? Are they? All women are great anglers. There are not enough of them take up the sport. There is. We have an international women's fly fishing team. They're really good. Like, Honestly, it's for everybody of every age. But when we come back and we can and you see a local club, you know, advertising a get together or whatever, bring your children. Let them see it. As uh, Lorraine said that, let them see it. Introduce them. It's outdoors. It's in the fresh air. It's something you're not on screens and you don't give an SH1.T about Instagram, Facebook. Although you'll put up a picture if you get a nice trout. You know, that's me again, of course. <laughs> put up a picture. Be giving out You've to got me about some that. lovely fish. Yes, beauties. Honestly, but... I mean to say you're away from that world. It's not, that world is not the real world. That world online is, in my, I won't even say the words, I believe. And I know it's part and parcel of life and what we do, especially here. It's an absolute nonsense at times because life is about living in this world as a human being and enjoying the outdoors and our friends and family and all that surrounds us. We saw what we lost this last year. That online thing, look, it's grand. 
I, 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 I think I honestly think to you I honestly think when I think back the days we had without it and that pressure and you mm. know being online and being available every moment and that it's it's shocking to be honest with you and I, I say that it is shocking angling outdoor sports I, look get your children into them get your children into whatever it is that gets them out into an out into a sport into a pastime get them out get them away from this stuff it's the best advice I can give you to be honest just do it and you'll love it and you'll love you angling can't exactly do the two together can you, you can't be on your phone no fishing. no we know get rid of them phones you know mm. what I mean you, you don't need them you don't need them when you're out fishing you know put them on silent and check them at the end of the day and if someone wants you in an emergency they'll get you but get lost on the rivers and reservoirs and lakes and streams and shorelines and out on the seas in this country. It's all there on our doorsteps. By the way, I'm going playing golf this evening. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the first tee at half six. Yes, I'm playing nine holes this evening at the clubs. I don't know what to do. Will I, will I know where to... Will you just be careful you don't do your back and will you take no, that swing after five months of doing no, nothing? Jeez, that's right. It must be October, November last since I... But we're going out this evening anyway to knock the first ball down the fairway and I'm going to enjoy it whether hail, rain or shine. I'll be out there this evening. The ball, no? Huh? No. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Are you joking me? Jeepers, all almighty. Why would you do that? Well, you're only codding yourself with stuff like that. But there's plenty in the game of golf who love codding themselves and codding others. It has to be said. They're there. They are there. But what's the point? There's nothing to be had from it, I have to say. Late lunch, LMFM. I have two Drogheda men lined up waiting to talk to me. One is in Los Angeles, the other not far from town here. And I want to begin first with Anthony Matthews. Anthony published his first collection of poetry late last year called Down Memory Lane, Small Stories and Poems. And it sold out and he donated the monies from the book to charity. He's back with a new poem and he's going to tell me about it. And then we'll bring in the L.A. link. Anthony, good afternoon. Afternoon, Gary. How are you? Thanks for joining me on the show. I'm really good. Now, the name of the poem is The Lonely Soldier. I just want to clarify this. Was that in the collection you published late last year? No. Uh, the poem, This particular poem, Gerry, The Lonely Soldier, I wrote on the 24th of March. So it's only probably few weeks old at the stage still, so yeah. It's yeah. beautiful, and Louise, my producer, myself, when we received it, we, went, we, we read it and read it a number of times, and it is really touching. Who is The Lonely Soldier? Well, The Lonely Soldier uh, is based on, on a character, uh, John Matthews was his name, um, he lived up Platten Road, and um, on Drawhead Down Memory Lane on, on Facebook, uh, I saw a picture of John maybe three months ago, and um, I said, uh, I remember the picture. It was a very striking picture. I think Michael Bourne might have taken the picture up there in the Lake Street, as far mm-hmm. as I know. And um, so basically, um, I said, I must write something about John. And, uh, and the poem actually evolved from there. Uh, but it was, I was sitting in Southside uh, Shopping Centre there, maybe the day I wrote it, actually, the 24th of March. And Michael Callaghan, uh, ironically, is Swan's first cousin, Actually, just my phone dinged and it was a picture of the John and I'd been sent up by Swan's cousin, actually. And he said, maybe, Anthony, you might write, Hess, some people call me around town, you might write something about John. And so, hence, I just sat down in the car, it was a couple of hours early for work, and the lonely soldiers seemed to flow from the fingers. 
And when I'd written, I said, well, that's, I think that's not too bad. So I headed off to work in Intel and opened it up when I got there. And I said, actually, that's quite good, I thought. So anyway, self-modesty, self I suppose. <laughs> but I, I, I just thought it was very good myself. And then, as I say, I put on Facebook that evening or maybe the next morning. And then someone contacted me that particular day, uh, the next day, sorry. And yes. asked if he could turn it. So and I was... Yes, taken aback and forced, obviously. But, mm. Yeah. Mm. but that's a, it's a great story. So you uh, mm-hmm. uploaded it onto Facebook, and the man standing by in LA saw it, and he wanted to take it from there. This fellow was a character, John Matthews, wasn't he? Ah, uh, John, John was. Yeah, I think a lot of children, particularly, might have been a bit scared of him because John kind of um, he was a, a lovely man, uh, very very quiet individual, and he came from the area, particularly up. To the Street and all those areas, uh, Marion Park would remember John, I think, especially from our era. And yeah, he was like he, he spoke, and as I say, he spoke to as far as I would, he was speaking to his maker and all sorts of stuff like that. And I particularly, yeah, distinctly, and I'd say Swan will agree, remember him carrying lugs upon his shoulder. So I basically saying the significance of the lugs, maybe carrying the cross of Christ, and that was him doing whatever on earth and mm. all this type of stuff. So yeah. I think, as I say, Jerry, anyone from up the area, from that area, would definitely remember him. And yes. it's amazing. It, it seems to have brought him back to life, the, the poem, actually. So mm. I, his, his nephew, actually, Joe Matthews, contacted me, and Joe's the, the family was thrilled that we'd actually, well, that we'd given them a new, a new lease of life, yes. I suppose. For one yeah, 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 yeah. It's lovely. And that's why we're talking today. Well, in mm. Los Angeles stands by David Swan Montgomery, originally from Marion Park in Drogheda. He found fame in his hometown, keeping goal for the League of Ireland side, but he was also well known on the local music scene. And of course, eager to spread his wings, David Swan Montgomery headed for London, then the States, where he's fronted the number one Led Zeppelin tribute band of all time called Led Zepp again. However, I want to tell you this, I know this, in his own right, he writes and performs his own compositions, uh, of which an aspect is back to his Celtic roots. And I take it, David Swan Montgomery, that's what caught your attention. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Jerry, for having me on. Tell us about this. You obviously spotted it when uh, it was posted by Anthony. Did it grab you like it grabbed us in here? It obviously did. Yeah, it grabbed me right away because... uh, uh, I obviously was familiar with uh, John as a kid, like Anthony uh, himself, you know, and so I felt very attached to it. And and the picture, of course, you know, my cousin, Michael Callan, uh, the one he gave it to Anthony. So and then I seen the picture and I, I, I just said to myself, I have to reach out to Anthony. Obviously, I love the words and the poem and how it was written. And I just wanted to be part of it because I, I knew Mr. Matthews, you know. Mm. So I reached out to Anthony and said, what do you think if I can come up with some music? And uh, I put that together. I sent it over to Anthony and uh, he he liked what I did. And and then I suggested we do a video along with it because I'll see that helps uh, promoting songs and stuff like that, you know. And uh, during the course of that, as I was putting the video together, it just uh, dawned on me that maybe we could <clears throat> uh, bring more awareness to the homeless and what people like uh, John was going through. You know what I'm saying? So um, 
we I sort of uh, produced the video in that way uh, where uh, it was, you know, showing home, homeless people. And of course, John, John's picture in the video as well, you know. Yeah. So that's how that came about. It's a lovely, uh, you know, a- other aspect to this whole story of you two linking up on each side of the Atlantic and then to have this in mind as well. What do you hope to do with it? Do you hope that this song will take off and uh, raise some money for homeless or just a- a- an awareness of it, of homelessness? Well, what we're, what we're planning to do, uh, me and Anthony, is to um, contact a lot of different organisations that... Um, you know, uh, work with the homeless and stuff mm. like that, and, and 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 you know, bring the video to them and see if that will help in any way. Uh, you know, raise money and stuff like that. And we also plan to uh, put the song itself up on uh, Spotify, iTunes, and bands in town, where people can actually download the song. Yes. So. That's what we're planning to do. Mm, okay, so this is in embryonic state at the moment in terms of where you're taking this. God, it's quite a contrast from being Robert Plant for over 30 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been doing Robert Plant for a long time. <laughs> but uh, one has to have one's identity, own identity. So as you said earlier on, yeah, I do my own solo stuff. And I just released an album back, back to my roots, which is actually a lot of... Uh, Irish uh, standards, but I sort of produced it in my own way, you know, so, Mm. yeah, so. I remember you, I remember you in goal for Drogheda. I do indeed, I have to tell you. I was in the Lourdes, I was in the Lourdes Stadium cheering you on because you were a local and it was rare enough to have a local in the Drogheda team at that stage. I take it the name Swan, did that come from your father uh, to you or was it just yours uniquely? And I take it it was because of your prowess between the posts. Uh, it came from my father, you know, mm. so, so, yeah. And it's also a good stage name too, you know, so <laughs> it no, is. nobody, nobody knows me by David over here. They only, they only know me by Swan. So. <laughs> I, I apologize for ca- calling you your Christian name, but you know yourself, I'm trying to oh, be, no. re- be, be respectful, but they, they all call you Swan in the States. Yeah, yeah. If if you if somebody said David, they'd be like, "Who's who are they talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> you know? so. I love it. I I know you uh, have been home on a number of occasions. You're in the states a long, long time at this stage, and and you love coming home, and you have great memories. But uh, no homecoming uh, for the last year or more. No, I was hoping to be home. Uh, actually, bring all the family and the children together. Uh, in 2020, unfortunately, COVID hit, and so I put it into those plans. But but I I do hope. I mean, I miss I miss Ireland a lot. Everything about it. Uh, as a, as a young man, Darren Drada, you know, we're all trying to find our way and go off somewhere. And but it, it's it's funny when you're away, you really miss the culture and who you are and where you come from. Mm. And uh, and that's sort of how I'm feeling right now. You know, I really miss. Yeah, I really miss home and stuff, and and also just to be able to, you know, work with a fellow Drogheda man like uh, Anthony. You know, it's 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 just great to, because you know I work with an awful lot of different people, but you know, no, nobody in Ireland or uh, from my hometown. You know, yes. Uh, so it, it, it's just it's just great to be able to be involved with someone from actually from your hometown. You know. So this is really special to you. Did you know each other prior to this? Well, um, 
We did, we did, but you know, I'm a lot older than that, uh, Anthony. Yeah. Um, um, but but I I I did know Anthony. Yeah. Mm. I mean, not very well, but I I did I do I do know. Mm, mm. Let me go back to Anthony's there uh, listening uh, intently. So special to Swan. Uh, lovely words, Anthony, there. First time your work has been uh, set to music. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, as I say, Jerry, quite shocked actually to be contacted about it um, uh, in relation to a song. Yeah, that was, was definitely, mm. definitely overwhelming, I suppose, at the beginning. Yeah, definitely. And Shock, I suppose, is that are you sure you're contacting the right person here and also stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, no, I knew there was something just special about the actual poem myself and I go again and I'm probably showing off a bit of modesty. But definitely, yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I just thought there was something special about it. And in relation to Swan there, I remember Swan walking in advanced tires there at the top of Mary Street, uh, up up there and uh, we myself and a mate of mine used to win as kids and he was always kinda Chatty to us, I'd say we'd have known his parents and his dad, particularly through football and yeah. the top shop, I suppose, at the time and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, definitely unique, but uh, apparently I have another song in the way <laughs> <laughs> from someone else now. I don't know. One there of the you other are. You're, you're in demand uh, for sure. But look star, at- uh, I think Carver Judge has taken on one comic's come back. I didn't even know where Carver went. He's living in Ruski. Yeah. And another calendar coming out Christmas with Jed McMahon so all local all local lads here you so are Intel stuff at the minute. Intel <laughs> bye bye he's on his way well, he's on his way no I better I not know. say that I'm only joking Jesus there the bread and butter is, is, is very very important uh, Dave yeah, so Dave, just to go back to you and we're, we're going to leave this conversation now in a moment and, and we're going to hear what it's all about in terms of a song Dave look I wish you well with this and it's, it's a great story really you're linking up as I said across the Atlantic and uh, uh, look, we'll talk again. I, I'm going to come back to you, David, and talk a bit more about your life and times here down the road. But look, congratulations to you on the song and best wishes with what you do with it now in terms of uh, raising awareness about homelessness and more besides around the world. David, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much, Jerry. Really appreciate being on the show. Thank you so no, much. No, not at all. So let's hear what it's all about. Here it is. Uh, put to music, The Lonely Soldier by Anthony Matthews and David Swan Montgomery.
Is there a limit on the uh, fishing photo competition entry? 16. You have to be, you know, if you send your photos in, if there's people under 16, you have to have permission for the photos and all that. So you need to be over 16 for the photos. But there's no age limit on teaching somebody to fish. Once they can get about in that, you can bring them uh, along and start them at a a very young age. That's for sure. It's expensive. like to kit them out? Ah, uh, not really. You can get beginners' kits and that. You know what I mean, and take it from there. You know what I mean, and move along. But you could spend anything then as you move through your mm. career. Honestly, the sky's the limit. Uh, somebody caught a trout at Headford Bridge. God, I often see them fishing at the bridge there because yeah. they can't go in. You know, they're not allowed to go in round there. They have to fish off the bridge. So there must be on first name terms with the fish there. They catch them that many times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's Charlie again. <laughs> 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 Hi Charlie, sorry for catching you again today. Back you go. And then the next day he's a gum, you catch him again. Yes, first name terms with fish for sure. I bought the kettle. I invested in the kettle, Louise. Remember I was talking yes. about the kettle going kaput yesterday. I bought a kettle, folks. Yes, I invested seventeen euro in a kettle. In Tesco. I bought a basic kettle, 17 euro, and uh, I decided I'd go that route. Now, people were saying to me, put the money into it and spend more. But look, I went to 17. If I get a year out of it, it's not bad, is it, for 17 no. quid? brilliant. If I get 12 months out of it, it's a little bit slow, burn. It takes a while to boil it all, right? Is it right. noisy? No, the usual. You hear her giving a bit of a hum and then she rattles along until it boils. But it's great. You could, there's something you couldn't do without in your kitchen as a no. kettle. You couldn't. Honestly, we've got so used to it. You couldn't be boiling pots or putting on teapots or things like that, could you? I'm sure some people do and enjoy it. But I think you definitely need the kettle. It's so handy for everything. Uh, You couldn't be without it. Anyway, I went for the cheapy. I went for the cheapy. Normally I don't. You know me. You know me. I wouldn't normally. No, you normally go for the other other way. But I think when it came to the kettle, well, I decided uh, we'd leave it be. Do you watch Claire Byrne at all? Do you watch her show on Monday nights? No, no. Claire Byrne and not. She's like, I admire Claire Byrne and everything. But I think the show, that show is becoming like play school. Do you ever remember play yeah. school on BBC? Claire Byrne show is becoming like play school. Why? Oh, jeez, a few weeks ago. All these props with the hats of a fireman, the hats of, <laughs> of a policeman. I thought I was watching play school. And then last night she goes out with... It's sort of a, a cabin, a cabin seats in an aircraft and there was people. When, when I saw that, I just went, bang, good luck. I'm not watching play school anymore. And then if she mentions that, a Morox smart pole. Oh, <laughs> that's a smart pole of, um, of people you shouldn't be asking questions of <laughs> in the first place anyway. You know what I mean? And coming back with answers. But you keep watching it though. God. Well, I dip in and out, to be honest with you, but Jesus, give us a break. It's not play school. It's the Claire Barnes show. For God's sake, get rid of all them bloody props and everything. Jerry, do the fish recover when you hook them and then put them back into the water? Or are they injured? They do. They do recover. And you can get things like barbless hooks that don't harm the fish as much with as hooks with barbs in them as well. You let them back in and they swim off. And I can tell you, they do recover for sure. Hi, Jerry. What struck me about Claire Barnes and the cabin props was that Kingston Mills who have great time for said he would not be comfortable sitting in such a cabin uh, if he got the AstraZeneca vaccine and it's such a low efficacy rate uh, with the new variants only 30% only 10% should I say I'm not anti-vaccine but it scares me at my that my age group are getting this vaccine I would prefer the Pfizer but we don't have a choice as Mary no you don't but if you listen to Paul Moyna earlier in the day you would have heard what he had to say that is against the variants is right but look at hopefully you know that we keep try and keep these variants out of this country as well and as for travel well, 
this year. Will it be possible? I don't know. The jury is still out on that one there. Thank you for your message to the show. I'm a COPD sufferer myself, Jerry. Overweight, have high blood pressure. Two weeks ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked my GP to prioritise me because of my diagnosis and the fact that I'm having surgery in three weeks' time. But I'm hitting a brick wall everywhere I go. I've written a letter to him uh, to uh, give uh, to the powers that be to see if it'll make any difference. My husband has gone to Simonstown and Navin. He's getting his vaccines. I've also sent a communication with him to see if it will do any good. I've cocooned for 14 months now and I'm expected to go into hospital without a vaccine. Is that right? God, we're thinking of you today. You have an awful lot on your plate. I don't know. I honestly can't answer you on that one there. But you just got to keep, uh, you know, going back and going back and making your case and uh, take on board what the uh, medical experts advise uh, should happen ahead. And I wish you well uh, in the weeks and months ahead of you. Thanks for getting in touch with us on the show. Now, my artist of the week this week are Thin Lizzy. And Lizzy toured the USA for the first time in 1975, supporting Bob Seger and Backman Turner Overdrive. Remember them? They then toured Europe with Status Quo before releasing the album Jailbreak, which became their first big success. I played the title track, actually, from it yesterday. And on that album, yes, the worldwide hit single, you know it well, The Boys Are Back In Town. That was from Jailbreak. Johnny The Fox was the next album and was successful again and was backed up with a great tour uh, after they released that album. However, tensions emerged between Phil Lynott and Brian Robertson in late 76, early 77 after they had to cancel another tour of the US because of a hand injury Robertson sustained in a fight in a club in London. He was dropped. Gary Moore returned to the lineup for a rescheduled tour in the States with an uneasy truce subsequently happening between the band and Robertson. He returned for the recording of their next album, Bad Reputation, later that year. They then released one of the greatest live albums of all time, Live and Dangerous, in 1978, after which Robertson Robertson was jettisoned for good from Thin Lizzy. Gary Moore returned for a time... But from then on, it was musical chairs in regard to that third guitarist in Lizzie with the likes of Midge-Ure, Snowy White and Darren Wharton and others joining and departing the lineup. So today on Late Lunch, I have only one album to go back to. Yes, it is live and dangerous. And for your enjoyment on Late Lunch today, I love it. I'm sure you will too. Here it is, the cowboy song. I am just a cowboy Lonesome on the trail. Keenburn set off on the beach. Yes, he parked at Baltrayan County Loud and eventually uh, made his way from Templetown Beach to the border past Omeath. So that's a long journey up the Loud coast from south to north. He's on the line to tell me more. Hello, Keen. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. What put this into your head? Uh, well, the main thing was that County-wide travel being opened up again. Uh, I think like so many people, I've been working from home, doing laps between kitchen and bedroom, working and eating. And uh, with the whole county being open, I tried to find uh, the longest trip I could do. And uh, I hadn't really seen if anybody had walked the whole coast before or even if it could be done. So I just decided to give it a crack. 
Good man yourself, because uh, it's something that uh, intrigues me. So you park at Baltray and you hop onto the beach there and away you go. And you say on the first leg of your journey, which is about 40 kilometres from Baltray to Black Rock, you were actually on the shoreline for what, for 40 kilometres or or 36 out of the 40 kilometres. Where did you have to jump out and back in? Uh, so I jumped out at Clarahead onto the road there and then at the start, I think it's Port Beach then, maybe about, uh, maybe about two kilometres up the road there and then from Port all the way to uh, Green Gate there, uh, a block rock nearly you're uh, on the beach or uh, on the marshland. So there's only really that bit between Clarahead and Port and then Green Gate and Black Rocks. Okay, and what did you make of it? You know, you know it's there, it's on your doorstep for all your lifetime. Was it eye-opening, intriguing? It was. Uh, so, like, I've been to all those places before, you know, like I'm, I'm from, from Dundalk, so I've been to all these places, but I haven't been to the in-between places. Yeah. You know, like, I haven't been uh, from in-between any gas and uh, towards Castle Bellingham along the beach. You see a whole different side of it. And then you, you can also see, with that talk of the Greenway being built, the areas that really needed, you know, like around Belurgan, uh was, was probably the toughest part because you're out on the road and it was busy and you could see the shoreline, but you can't be on it. So kind of really highlight that, that that area there would be, you know, really useful to have a greenway along there. Mm. It's it's an interesting point because we all dip in and out at the, the touristy points, let me talk to them, at the beach access points, but to walk along it completely is fascinating. So you do 40 kilometres on the Friday, then Saturday you head from Black Rock to Templeton, uh, Templeton and you, you stayed on the beach, you slept outdoors, did you? Yeah, we did. Uh, so uh, one of my friends, uh, Niall McIntyre, joined me for that day and uh, we camped out in Templeton that night so yeah it was nice just you know sleeping beside the beach and, and waking up and getting going early the next morning I think I was on the beach again for 8 o'clock that morning uh, so yeah that, that was over just to camp out for the night and off you went then on the, the final day the Sunday was the shortest uh, leg of it 28 kilometres that took you up uh, to the border past Omid there do we underestimate what we have on our shoreline is that fair to say you know when you're nearer the church the farther from God uh, I think so. I think, you know, we were all focused on, on the big ones, you know, so everyone goes to Carlingford. But Unmeet is just as nice, you know, it's, it's beautiful. And even uh, past Unmeet, you know, walking alongside uh, the Neary River there as you get towards the border, you know, you kind of just uh, get a little bit distracted, I think, and go for, for the popular spots. Like, you know, Tower Head, is, that's beautiful, but there's also there's Denaney Point as well, which is just great. And you walking around that at low tide is just, Something that I don't think many people experience, but it's definitely well worth doing. Mm. Uh, it was a sharp easterly over those days in terms of the of the wind. Were you well wrapped? Uh, I was, yeah. I had plenty of layers on. And I was, it was lucky it was sunny. It didn't rain a drop for the whole weekend, so I was very, very lucky with that. And uh, again, coming back to it, do you believe there's potential to do more here? You mentioned, you know, the Greenway there. There uh, some work that could be done that could make this a, a real touristy experience to do. Uh, yeah, well, I think there's already stuff happening. There's uh, the Sea Life Food Trail, uh, which I think is launching later this year. Yeah. You know, is, uh, that's going to really highlight the area. Uh, and I think it's a lot of people uh, would be attracted to that. And then it's also a case of kind of going and seeing yourself if you can and go and do these things, you know, like uh, I, I time this around low tide just to give myself the best chance mm. of being able to walk the beach as much. So if people want to get out and explore, 
uh, go at low tide and uh, see see what you can find out there, you know? Yeah, low tide. It is important and to check the tides and be careful with all that, you oh, know. God, to, yeah. yeah, it's so important to understand that as well. But low tide, of course, when the, uh, the sea is well out, of course, is, is your best time. It can be very challenging with a full tide when, it, when it's right up on the shore for, uh, from many aspects of it. Are, are you a walker normally? Are you an outdoor person or, you know, is this something uh, different? Yeah, I'm an outdoors person. I don't think anyone would describe me as a walker. I spend more of my time on, on a bike. Uh, so this was this was just something I wanted to get away for a few days. And yeah. I thought uh, walking the coast would take me three days. Cycling would take me, take me one. So I went yeah. with the walking. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's a really lovely thing to do, and I, I admire. I, I, I'm chatting to you today because I was looking at your gallery of of uh, photographs you took as well on Instagram, and I encourage people to have a look at that Keen Burn on Instagram. There, Keen Writes, it's called Keen Writes. W R I T S. You'll be able to see a a, a collection of uh, the snaps that he took on uh, on his way round. Well done to you. A hundred kilometers of loud coastline. I'd never have thought it was that long on the on the Wee County, but there really you. Bad have it there you have it you've broken new ground for sure Keen, thanks and well done that's great thanks very much thanks for joining me on the show take care of yourself that's Keen Barn there who uh, walked his uh, native county's shoreline almost entirely uh, last weekend that's a lot on late lunch for another day Eddie Carvey's getting ready to go with the drive so stay with us here on LMFM radio on late lunch tomorrow you uh, are well aware I'm sure from news of the situation in India we will be in conversation with an Indian, a man, a man from India, who uh, has lived here for quite a number of years, a long time, and he's really worried about what's happening back home. Thriftify.ie, did you ever hear about it? The online charity shop, we have its founder with us tomorrow. The ban, 50 years on in the GAA, and more besides with Fergal Lynch from the Mead Chronicle, and Hannah Latio. You'd remember the name Latio if you had any association with Tara Mines. Uh, connections of course big connections with Finland her home is with us also on the show thank you for joining us today podcast available after 4pm want to get in touch with us late lunch at lmfm.ie at any stage take care of yourselves have a nice Tuesday I'll be shouting for I think a lot this evening from the tea boxes in Baltray but who cares who cares I'm looking forward to golf first time in a long time see you tomorrow one thirty. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Attention all van drivers. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the northeast. Our van specialist, Danny at Blackstone Motors, will find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. We offer same-day business finance. Call Danny or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more information. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.